For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herb Hell. Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, something a little different. Let's talk movies. When we want to talk movies, we go to this man because he's great at it. He knows things about it. I don't because I'm not that big a movie guy, so I lean on him. Uh, Luis Mendez, our good friend, he has an excellent sub stack. He writes. He also writes at Ordinary-Times.com occasionally. How are you, my friend? How's things down in sunny South Florida? Well, it's first of all, it's super hot down here. But uh, other than that, I'm very happy that the movie season for 2022 has actually started off really good with, to my pleasant surprise because I was actually a little scared that last year had been maybe a little too top heavy. But I think it's been a pretty solid start to the year for movies. See, we just did Memorial Day weekend. Top Gun came out. Massive movie. Huge hit. Going to be a monster film. I think it did 150-ish over the weekend, 300 worldwide, something like, you know, traditional summer blockbuster movie number. It's remind people, because COVID, we kind of forgot, this used to be what Memorial Day weekend about the movies was about. You had a big tentpole, top-of-the-line movie on Memorial Day weekend for five or six days, and that was, like, usually one of the movies of the year. That used to be the way COVID hit. Are we back to it, or is this an aberration, do you think? I mean, I, I don't want to say it's an aberration. Uh, I feel like we're sort of back to normal to an extent. Um, I, I, we've been seeing a trend, and this has been going on even before COVID, and I think maybe COVID kind of accelerated it, where people are being much more limited in what movies they're going to go see. And a lot of that is because, understandably, um, folks are noticed that the theatrical window isn't as long as it used to be in after a movie comes out in theaters these days 90 days or so it's already available on streaming or it's already showing up at their store on dvd so i think people are being more limited in what movies actually go to see in the theater uh but there's no doubt about it that covid hurt the box office uh and accelerated these trends what i'm very happy to see Top Gun doing this is, look, as much as I love and have a lot of fun with the MCU movies, it is really nice to see a non-MCU movie getting this kind of box office, especially a good movie like this. Uh, I'm very happy for Top Gun and Paramount. 
especially because they've been having some rough times the last couple of years. Uh, they, I think they're having a really good 2022 between this, the Lost City, the Sonic movie. They've got a major awards contender coming out at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think that if anything, this shows that if you can make a good enough movie with enough word of mouth, you can compete or do respectable even against the big superhero movies that everybody's going out to see. And we're even seeing this with smaller movies because there's a great movie that we recommend people check out uh, called Everything Everywhere All At Once that came out, small movie, indie film. Um, this movie's legs have been uh, history making. It's not, you know, it's not making ridiculous money, but the legs have been there because of the great word of mouth. And I hope we get to see a little bit of that in a day and age where everybody kind of just shows up for the superhero movies. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring it up that way, because one of the reasons I like following you in your writing is you understand not, you don't just review the films, you understand the business side of this. Talk about this for a minute, because I don't remember, at least in my lifetime, a movie like Top Gun. And maybe it's because, you know, Tom Cruise has the stroke to make these things work. Maybe it's because the brand is so big and so nostalgic. Do you remember any other time where a studio held a movie for over two years, a big movie when they went through some struggling years on top of it would have been, you know, there's reports out there about how much Apple and Netflix and these other companies were offering uh, for Top Gun if they took it to streaming. Do you remember any kind of a comparison to this where they held a movie this long and it was still this big and this successful? This long, but I know that this is not the first movie that had it was held back because of the pandemic that there were rumors of streaming services getting involved and in getting it. I mean, I think that the latest James Bond, there was talk about Amazon uh, streaming it. Godzilla versus Kong, there was talk about Netflix buying that from Legendary. Uh, I know that the Dune, uh, there have been some talks about that, which led to the director kind of speaking out. But yeah, this movie has been held back from us for two years. Now. I mean, I remember watching trailers for this back in 2020. Uh, but they have been very careful to say, we're going to release this when the crowds are back so they can see it on the big screen. And it's paid off big time for them because not only is the movie a critical success, uh, it's a financial success. And I actually think, spoiler alert for the next time I write up my best picture Oscar projections, I think it's a long shot, but not impossible um, contender to be that populist best picture nominee. That's how well I think this movie has been received. They're definitely going to get some technical awards, aren't they? Because I want, and I'll, I'll confess, and I'm somewhat known as not being a huge movie goer. I don't like the, the climate of a theater, but I went to this and I went to it in IMAX. And I was telling you before we started, something like IMAX, when you have a live shot movie, for the most part, there wasn't a lot of CGI in this film. You could really tell the difference in the way this movie was shot. This was quite an epic achievement in movie making. I know a lot of it's technology from the first one 35 years ago where they can put cameras in the cockpits and things like this. It's just spectacular just watching it visually. This was, a, aside from the plot and the nostalgia and Tom Cruise and the soundtrack, that movie visually is just one of the best things to just sit and stare at for two hours of anything I've ever seen on a big screen. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think it's one of the things that, say, like a Christopher Nolan has been generally good at is that in this day and age of CGI to actually use some technical 
uh, real life stuff, uh, which you just can't beat when you're trying compared to trying to recreate something. Uh, I got to think that sound wise, at least it gets a nomination, at least sound, uh, you know, worst, worst case scenario. But I think it has the ability to perhaps do re, uh, even go beyond that. I mean, they, they played this movie at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, so it's definitely got its uh, eyes on everybody in the industry and regular moviegoers. Yeah, he won't get it, but it'd be, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Miles Teller getting some kind of a nod on one of the lower level awards for something because I thought he was great in that film. Oh, yeah, I agree. But unfortunately, when it comes to acting awards, a lot of the, it's very hard for genre films to yeah. break through. If a genre film breaks through big, it'll usually just be based on the story and the movie itself. Uh, we don't get, unfortunately, we don't get those Heath Ledgers, Melissa McCarthy, and Bridesmaids sort of things. They're very rare. Yeah, but I, th I thought that was a, an eye-popping moment for Teller, who's been really good for a while now. Yeah. But, but man, you, you take some, Anthony Edwards is a well-known actor. And yeah. that role is iconic. Everybody knows who Goose is. If you just say that, that's all you got to say, and everybody knows it. And man, he killed it. That's not that's not easy for an actor to carry that kind of weight on a new film. And he transformed himself, and I thought it was pretty impressive myself. And I'm a fan, so I'm biased here. But that if that doesn't work, that movie don't work. And he carried it. Yeah, and and I even said in my written review that he did so well that I actually almost. I actually looked up just to make sure that Miles Teller was not uh, Anthony Edwards' son because he, he he was that, he just was that well in the role. And it's nice to see Miles Teller finally, because he's he's a great actor, like you said, but unfortunately, uh, some of his projects of late haven't been great. So I'm happy to see him in something good. I think the last thing I saw him in something really, really great was maybe Whiplash from a couple years back. Um, and uh, by the way, and, and uh, this isn't really a spoiler because they, they show it in the trailer, but it, it is nice to see Val Kilmer again, especially with the troubles that he's been dealing with of late. And I think that really helped to come full circle into that relationship between Maverick and Iceman. Yeah, and not, and we're not spoiling anything. Everybody knows he has throat cancer. Uh, this will probably be his last film role for all practical purposes. How good of an actor do you have to be to act after you no longer have the ability to speak? And he conveyed stuff with his facial movements and his, his I thought he, he wasn't just there for filler. He did a performance and it was, man, there wasn't a dry eye in that theater I was in when that, like, as soon as they knew, like, oh, this is the, this is the Val Kilmer scene. Like you could feel it in the theater. Like it was one of those visceral moments that you only get in the theater. And I know I bash theaters, but this was one where everybody went, oh God, this is where Val is. And you could feel it out of the audience, and it was emotional. It was perfectly well done. There was just a little hint of comedy to take the edge off it. I, that's as good as seen from two real, real pros as you'll ever see, I think. Oh, yeah, and, and it is one of those moments where I think it, it's a, able to create that audience uh, re, uh, that audience participation moment in a theater that if most if audiences just kept quiet and had more of those, that people would understand the point of having a good time at the movies. Um, and I will say that if if any folks out there want to know more about Val Kilmer, the stuff he's going through, they're on Amazon Prime. There's a great documentary that came out last year called Val. And uh, it, having seen that documentary before seeing this, it only really made me even more appreciate more uh, that they were able to get him in this movie. Yeah, I was it. You could hear a pin drop and I was watching it in IMAX, which is as loud as it gets. And there's. I don't know, four or 500 people in there. This is a big, this is way bigger than a normal movie theater. You could hear a pin drop. 
during that scene. Like it was, it was a special moment. By the way, Miles Teller, um, free plug here. Only the Brave, great movie. Didn't do great at the box office. Josh Brolin's in it. The firefighter movie. Those are the smoke jumpers that killed out in New Mexico. Uh, I thought he was great in that. That he doesn't get. A oh, lot of you know, for. hey, you're right. I, uh, I almost kind of forgot about that movie. I think I remember that film coming out a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, and he he's the main character for all intents and purposes. He really carries it and does a great job in a really really hard role, very emotional role. But that's a great movie that, for whatever reason, it's just one of those movies that didn't do that well. I know it's a heavy subject matter. Maybe that was part of it. But Josh Brolin's in it. it's a great cast. Encourage people to go check that one out. Um, talking to Luis Mendez, our good friend. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back. I want to talk a little bit more about the movie business. He's got a, already got a list going for award season. This has been a big year. This has been a big year for a company that's been struggling movie making wise too. Going to ask him about that. Luis Mendez, our good movie review and friend more on hard to tell with Lewis right after. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. back to her tell our movie expert cinephile he would call it because he thinks he's uh, a little more hoity-toity about it than <laughs> i am our good friend Luis mendez enjoy talking to him all right top gun is part of the stable of a movie company that's kind of had a lot of trouble their streaming service has been doing really good paramount is having themselves a banner year and a year where other brands like netflix is having a hard time a couple other movie houses are kind of struggling man paramount's just killing 2022 aren't they yeah, it's almost kind of reminding me of Warner Brothers last year, aside from some of the struggles they had regarding how the same day streaming may have hurt their box office. Uh, Paramount, uh, they were really a company that I, there were rumors about them just becoming a content company for the streaming service. They had, had some really rough per, uh, times in the pandemic where they did sell some stuff off, including Charles Chicago 7, which is a movie that ended up going all the way to the Oscars. And Netflix was the one that got to ride that because Paramount sold it to them. Uh, but this year, they've been really hot. <clears throat> the Lost City has been a nice uh, little box office hit for them. Um, that's a Sandra, Bull Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, a, a romance comedy. Um, Sonic 2 has made good money. Uh, and now this with Top Gun. And later this year, they have an awards movie, uh, Babylon, which I believe for now is the movie to beat for best picture. 
they really have gotten themselves into a really good position this year. The, I just hope that they don't, I, I understand they need to make content for the streaming service, but I really hope that they don't quit making more theatrical content because they have really shown that they still got it this year. Let's You brought it up, so let's just compare the two. Of course, Warner Brothers is HBO Max. Um, the talk here about a year and a half ago was HBO Max was just going to dominate everything in the pandemic because they could do the dual releases like that. Paramount has already announced things like Top Gun. Hey, one month. It's going to be in the theater. One month, it goes to streaming. Compare and contrast the two because I'm sitting there looking at that Top Gun number, and, of course, they're not going to have you know another Top Gun for 10 or 15 years, but – um, that seems like a better model to me. It's almost the old DVD VCR model of, all right, release it a couple of weeks, as soon as the, the give it a four week theatrical run, then put it on streaming. Does that seem like a little better model than the dual release thing? And I know that was kind of pandemic driven, but at the same time, you know, we got to compare what they did. Right. I think, I think it is a smarter one. Uh, as much as I really enjoyed Warner brothers content last year, uh, I think that same day streaming absolutely hurt them at the box office. We have the numbers in front of us that people, a lot of people watched it on the same day streaming than they did to come out to the theaters, which also was one of the many factors that hurt my favorite movie from last year in the Heights. A lot of people saw it on streaming than showing up. Whereas uh, if you were a big IP movie, you could survive that. But if you were a smaller movie, it was a little bit harder. Uh, it, Warner Brothers is also doing what Paramount's doing. The, the theatrical windows these days. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, you'd have to wait half a year until something went from theaters to being available at home. These days, I mean, 90 days after the Batman came out, it was already on HBO Max. Um, everything Everywhere All At Once, which I mentioned earlier, that movie's still in theaters, but I've already been able to pre-order the uh, 4K Blu-ray, and it's going to be here in less than a month. Uh, that is, seems to be the new model, and I think it's a smarter model because a lot of people kind of show up to the theater mostly kind of these days in the first week or two that a movie comes out. So uh, I think it's better just to get that extra money from the folks who are going to wait till they can see it at home instead of waiting so long, just have it available quicker um, and just let word of mouth carry for anybody who wants to see the movie on the big screen until it comes out at home. And I think it is the future model um, for these studios. I know some theaters aren't happy about it, but the fact is, is that this is the era we're living under. Uh, people are just much more selective and more top heavy in what they watch at the movie theaters. Yeah, and under that auspice, Luis Mendez, our good movie friend, joining us on her tell. Uh, a movie that I adored and loved, but it, it fell victim to demographics. Um, it didn't do quite as well as people thought it would do. And one of those is because they thought the audience streamed older for that brand. And that hurt them because the older audience isn't back to the theaters like the younger audiences. Downton Abbey, I went to it in the theater, back-to-back -back theaters. I had Downton Abbey, which is one of my favorite brands. And then, of course, Top Gun. It's been a good two weeks movie run. I'm not going to the movies for like three years. I'm not topping that. But, um, you know, the row I was sitting in, I had my 16-year-old to my left bawling her eyes out, and I had two 80-year-old women to my right, and they were crying, and they had to stop crying to check and see, is she okay, my daughter, because she was crying so hard. This was a great, great film, but uh, the, the makers were even open, like, hey, we're not sure about the audience, because that older audience isn't coming back to the theaters yet, and they just blatantly said, like, we ain't even worried about it, we know it's strong, the reviews are good, we're going to make it up in streaming. That's kind of the flip side of that coin, isn't it? Because the movie going audience changed. It wasn't just COVID. It's just habits changed. 
And that older audience has found streaming. And for a lot of reasons, because, you know, age changes your lifestyle, they seem to started liking it, didn't they? Oh, yeah. And like I said, th these are trends we started seeing before the pandemic. I believe the pandemic only accelerated them. Um, yeah, I mean, Downton Abbey, which is a movie, the second movie, especially, I, I, I actually really loved the first movie, but I think this one was an even more effective movie because Completely I agree. Because I, to me, the last film, as much as I liked it, it kind of felt like a reunion special. Was this felt as a proper follow-up and finale, if this is going to be the last thing we get from that series? Uh, yeah, it was unfortunate to see that uh, it didn't do too well at the box office. Didn't do horrible either, I will say. I, I actually thought it was going to have a rougher showing than it had, um, which goes to show you the fan base is still there. But... It, I'm, I wasn't surprised either to see it struggle a bit and that it didn't do as well as the first movie did because it, it's just folks are not showing up for those kind of movies unless there's immense word of mouth like everything everywhere all at once or Top Gun. Um, what They're playing it safe. They're going to the big superhero movies and stuff like that and then saying, well, we'll catch the smaller stuff on streaming. Speaking of superhero movies, uh, Marvel has their normal slate out this year. Uh, Doctor Strange has already come out. Where are we at with that? Because there's a lot of, everybody's got an opinion on the superhero movies. They're going to make a ton of money. That's not the question. They're going to keep making them. That's not a question. They've already got, I think, 22 Marvel movies announced over the next, I think, 22 months or whatever it is. So they're going to keep doing it. Are we at a plateau of it, though? Is, is it just kind of it is where it is as far as the business side of it goes? Like, yeah, they're going to come out. They're going to have 70 to $110 million openings, and then that's going to be that, and then on to the next one. It feels kind of like we're at a little bit of a plateau after the you know, 10, 15 years of Marvel movies. Is, is there a revolution coming somewhere in, ahead of time that's going to change this, or are we just going to do this for a couple of years, you think? I think it's going to take, uh, well, first of all, I think that we're kind of an inflection point, that we're in the middle of a potential inflection point. I think it's going to take a couple of years. I mean, the MCU is the most profitable, most successful movie franchise going today. You don't have people kind of start uh, not showing up to those movies overnight. It's going to take a couple of years. It's going to take some missteps by Marvel. It's going to take some fatigue. It's going to take other movies, say like the Batman, showing up and saying, okay, we can do this, but we can do it in a different style, different way, maybe a little more gritty, something that people might be looking forward to, especially if you're a kid who grew up on the MCU movies and maybe you get attracted to some more adult-oriented stuff that way. Uh, the problem is, is that I, I think they're right now they're still going to make a bunch of money. However, the, the, their reputation of in the industry right now is really rough. And I think it's because a lot of directors and, and folks who are trying to uh, come out with their own original movies see them as the reason that they're struggling at the box office. Now, it's not to say that they don't, their fears are legitimate, but I don't think it's just a Marvel thing necessarily because DC movies make a lot of money. Uh, the Godzilla movies that have, the Godzilla King Kong movies that have come out lately have made a lot of money. It's that it's about known IP names that people feel safe with. But I think the MCU has become the face of that, which unfortunately for them, as much as they have a cultural footprint, it's, gonna, it's not going to necessarily give them the respect in the industry. If they get any respect from the industry or, or particularly film schools and stuff like that, you're going to have to wait years down the line 
uh, when people kind of are able to look back on it after it's over as, wow, this is an amazing thing that they were able to pull off over the years. I think the movies, are, I, I still generally like the movies. I do think that we're getting less and less great movies from them. Um, it definitely starting to feel like that formula is becoming a strain on them. Uh, I was kind of underwhelmed by the latest Doctor Strange movie, uh, even though I didn't, I didn't think it was a bad movie, but uh, after you see something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, or even the newest Spider-Man, um, I, you kind of have set the bar high, and uh, I, I thought that movie, if anything, felt like filler, and if they keep having those filler movies, I, I think people might be able, might tune out, but I, I mean, I think eventually, this is not, I know it feels like this is going to go on forever, but history tells us it won't. I mean, th there's been so many moments in history where certain kind of movies were the big money makers and then things changed. Um, but I don't think it happens overnight. This is something that's gonna take years and a lot of factors uh, that are in and out of Marvel's control to happen. Yeah, and you're writing Luis Mendez. Uh, find his writing at his own Substack, also ordinary-times.com. You've done history all the way back uh, pre-20th century movie history for us before. You understand it. Your writing always lends me to understand that what's reflected on the screen is a reflection of the business side of it because it just has to be. This is a case, I think, where the business side of it is going to eventually do more to it than the, than the content or the audience side of it because, like you've written about before, the other part of these Marvel movies people don't realize is these things are huge bandwidth sucks for these companies. They, you know, we think about the movie industry being rich. It is, but it's not unlimited. The, these actors are on multi-year, multi-part contracts, multi-movie contracts. These productions, sometimes they, they do the productions two or three movies at a time, which can take a year or two up. There, there's a lot of overhead, for lack of a better term, to making these Marvel movies. And the business side of it, like you said, there's just a lot of creative people that either aren't going to get involved in that because it ties them up too much or studios that are like, man, this is a big resource drain to do something that we've done 25, 30 times already. Isn't that kind of the part of this that'll probably change it a lot before the actual audience gets fatigued of it? I mean, it could, it could be a part of it. Um, it I mean, Disney is Disney. They, they're a multi-billion dollar company and they're the ones backing Marvel in this. So I think that helps too, that they have so many resources. Uh, but if, if especially the studios who have kind of tried to come up with their own cinematic universes and stuff like that, and they've struggled. Uh, DC, who eventually just kind of gave up and decided to kind of do more standalone movies. Uh, so I think in some respect, uh, what you were talking about really has sort of happened to other studios. Whether it's going to happen to Marvel will be interesting to see, because we already know that some folks have kind of left. Uh, I mean, Chris Evans is... Uh, no, not there anymore. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, is not there anymore. Uh, eventually, you got to believe other folks are going to be leaving. Um, so it is it is a hard thing to pull off, especially when you've been doing it for over a decade now. And there was a story out there that Kevin Feige and his team went to a, a, a retreat to talk about the next 10 years. I'm like, that's pretty confident. You don't know if within 10 years, if there's been a dramatic shift in what vote, uh, what uh, audiences are won. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how if the, if they can still be around in ten years, at least in terms of where they are now, uh, where they're making three, four movies a year and making uh, almost a billion to a billion dollars on all of them. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Disney starts kind of sliding them towards the Star Wars movie where model where you do more content creation and then maybe do one or two movies a year instead of three or four. I think that might be kind of the intermediate step here. We'll see what they do. Uh, Luis Mendez, real quick before we got to let you go. Uh, we're halfway through the year, give or take. We're basically halfway point. Uh, what's a couple movies coming up that folks really want to pay attention to? I know you said everything always. People have been writing about that. I think that thing's up to like $60 million now. It's amazing. Uh, give people a couple movies to pay attention to over the rest of the summer here that they may not otherwise have been hearing about with all the noise about Top Gun and so forth. Well, I, well, they, they've definitely heard about the new Jurassic Park movie, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. And I mean, that franchise has kind of become uh, divisive with people. Yeah. People are kind of 50-50 yeah. on the sequels. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to watch the first one in the theater. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch it or not, to be honest. I mean, the, well, the first one uh, is a classic, but the sequels, I, I think they're kind of dumb popcorn flicks at best. Uh, after, But there is a movie coming out in June, late June from A24 called Marcel the Shell with the Shoes On. Um, it's about a little shell with uh, eye, who's got like one eye. He's got a, a grandma. I think her name is uh, Nana Cotty, and it's about a documentary filmmaker who uh, ends up living with them and the search for their family. I've been hearing great reviews for this movie. Some people have even compared it to the Paddington movies, which definitely gets my ears up. Uh, it's said to be a nice comfort food kind of movie that families are going to love. So I can't wait for that. I'm actually really excited for Thor Love and Thunder. I like Taika Waititi's uh, vision. I feel like he's one of the few directors that you can see his style versus the rest of the Marvel formula. So I'm excited for that in July. Uh, so those are the movies that pop up. The two movies that really come up to me during the summer, but uh, that Marcel the Shell, I'm telling people to keep an eye on it. It may be the next Everything Everywhere, where it it just gets legs from good word of mouth as as the, the little movie that could. All right, fun question to end on though. Uh, I'm going to throw you a hot take, Renee. See how you handle it. Jurassic Park was John Williams's best score. Oh, I made him think I, about uh, it. I know it's heretical because everybody's got their favor, but I, 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 and I'm biased because I, I remember I actually owned that when it came out. I went and bought it. It's one of the, it kind of got me into classical and orchestra music. I think Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park soundtrack, may be John Williams's best score. I mean, it, yeah, it may be. Um, There's a lot of it's a tough from. call. He just it's turned 90 tough... last week, by the way. God bless. Yeah, and, and it's a tough call because he's done so many uh, incredible ones. Um, I I, I, I sat in an IMAX on it. Sunday. I sat in an IMAX and just that da da da, like that's all they needed. And everybody's like, oh, that's Jurassic Park, John Williams. Yeah. Three, no three notes. Like that, that score is so good. I know everybody's probably going to go Star Wars or um, Schindler's List is depressing, but it's just god awful beautiful. But I think, I think Jurassic Park might be his best score. Just top to bottom, the entire soundtrack, there was not a bad, everything was just pitch perfect. I think that's his masterwork. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I need to double check. Did he do Jaws? I need to double check. Mm, I don't remember. I don't, yeah, Jaws is a bit check. before my time. I'm, if he did, if he, if he did Jaws, then uh, I'd have to say that it's a tight battle between Jaws and Jurassic Park then. Yeah, but I I put Jurassic Park over Star Wars, which will make people mad. But it's a better it's a better. Uh, I I I probably agree, but I tend to have 
unpopular opinions when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> now, his Duel of the Fates might be his single best piece of music he ever wrote. That was spectacular. But anyway, the great John Williams turned 90s last week, so I had him on my mind. Uh, but that's why we like talking to Luis Mendez. If it's movie-related, I can throw it to him, and he's got an opinion on it. Let folks know where they can find your writing. Your Substack is great. You've got YouTube stuff going on. You also write at Ordinary Times once in a while. Hint, hint. Love to have you back. Uh, let folks know where they can find you and follow you, my friend. Well, there's definitely going to be a piece coming out of the Cannes Film Festival. It's over, and Top Gun has become a Best Picture contender. But uh, uh, find my writing over at MendesMovieReport.substack.com. I've actually been very happy to see the views uh, numbers that I'm seeing the last couple months from there. Uh, also, if you want to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, if you've got a letterbox, Mendes Movie RPT, you can find me on there. And I've also got a YouTube channel. I still got to work on it a little bit. I want to uh, do a couple of uh, videos on there, but I'm still working on it. Uh, that's where you can find me. You deserve all the success, my friend, because you do fantastic work. You've been a good friend for a couple of years now. Great writer, great commentary. One thing I want to mention about Top Gun 2 is people will be surprised. There's some laugh out loud funny moments in that movie. Like they really did a good job balancing with the humor. Um, I meant to mention that earlier, but it's you, just a pure summer blockbuster. Oh yeah, audience, audience reaction film, and it never and takes it's, itself and it's too done serious. Well. Yeah. yeah, it never took itself too serious. It knew exactly what it was. It was per perfect summer movie. Loved it, loved it. And I, I, I'm a look. I'm one of those kids. I was like seven, eight years old when Top Gun came out. Like that's one of my foundational movies. I'm just telling you, it was a great movie. Anyway, Luis Mendez, you deserve all the success, my friend. Happy to continue to promote you, and we'll talk again soon because God knows we need some movie escapism with the way the news has been lately, don't we, my friend? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about the movies. It it's, helps you escape. Yeah, and we definitely – I think I really think that's one of the reasons, like, a Top Gun's doing so well. It's like everybody was just ready for – let's just do Raw Raw for two hours and, and feel good. I think people were ready for it. That's what we do with Luis Mendez. He makes us feel good about the movies. Thank you, sir. We'll have you back soon. Hey, thanks. I hey. love being here. Yes, sir. Anytime. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.